All right, welcome to the Refinery Podcast. This is Pastor Mitch, the young adults pastor here at Indian Rocks Baptist Church. I am here launching our first ever mailbag episode. You guys have answered, and not answered, but asked a bunch of questions. Um, and a lot of good ones to start off for our first episode. We had a couple on anxiety, some on relationships, um, some on even just like end times, kind of like what it's going to be like in heaven, um, and then just some fun personal ones about ministry. Uh, I do have to admit, and I'm just going to call myself out on this, we let Pastor Jeremy's mic die uh, the first episode. So we are, this is actually our second go around, so it should be a bit, bit more condensed. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I am, so I'm going to let them say hi real quick, but I am here with my with amazing pastors and friends, Pastor Joe, Pastor Jeremy, so welcome, guys. What's, go, what's up, guys? How you doing? My <laughs> mic is working now. It's all good. Sounds way better. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Um, my name is Joe. I've been here for about seven, almost seven years, and uh, just so thankful. The Lord's um, been so good um, to allow me to be a part of the middle school ministry and to help out in the refinery, too. I mean, it really is a gift. So, Yeah, and so my name is Jeremy Kurth. I've been here coming up on a year. I've uh, been with, in youth ministry, though, for about 17 years now, mm-hmm. so just have a heart and passion for that, and I'm really excited to be able to tackle some of these topics today yeah cool so now that we've kind of had a warm-up on <laughs> our first couple of questions I think we can kind of and I, honestly I think it might be more beneficial even too to kind of recap our thoughts in a more concise way too um but I mean and I'll let you start off because you have some good thoughts just to open up with Jeremy about kind of the first question being you know what is a book of the bible that helps with anxiety um or specific passages and so I'll let you lead off yeah, so I think it's important, and there's, and I won't get into too much detail for sake of time, but I think there's important to establish what level anxiety are you struggling with. Um, mm. There's there's the mental health aspect of anxiety, and that's a whole different topic, whole different time. Yeah. I think from a biblical standpoint of struggling with anxiety, we all have those moments, but I, I instantly go to Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, where it says, Do not be anxious for anything, but with prayer and supplication present your request to God. I think the the root of many of us having anxiety is that we want to be in control. Um, there's that aspect of I have something happening in my life, I don't have control over it, and I want to be in control of it. And that's that's probably the root cause I think of many of our anxieties today. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Um, because because in that order, if you go through those that scripture and you read at the towards the end of that passage and the peace of God um, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and I think we really desire that peace in our hearts Um, but uh, but I know like just kind of in my own life I've seen I've I've gotten that out of order I want the peace Mm. I want it now Um, but but it starts off um, with what you said coming to him um, with thanksgiving that's good I think of like we like we were talking about earlier, kind of that book of Lamentation. Like you just don't even think it's in the Old Testament somewhere, but it's like four chapters long. And uh, it's right after Jer- Jeremiah, and like the prophet is just lamenting. And that's like, hence Lamentations, like he's just lamenting the whole time. And I, and I was able to think back, and I just remember the last part of, the, of verse 5, or uh, chapter 5, it says in verse 20, like why do you continually forget us? Abandon us to our, uh, for our entire lives. Lord, bring us back to yourself so we may return renew our days as in former times unless you have completely rejected us and are intensely angry with us 
And, it's a, and again, for me, it's this whole reality of like, we're taught to almost in respect and reverence of God that you can't approach God with anything but almost that like overwhelming, like martyred, like I'm just so thankful, like even though I'm getting stabbed in the kidneys, like I can't lament to you. Like, no, like we can, it just has to be with an open heart. And like you're saying, like our open heart and hands and prayer saying like, I'm lamenting, but I'm also waiting for an answer. And I love how he like ends it. He's like, you've forgotten us. Please remember us. And, but you have full right because you, you are ultimately like righteous. And if you're angry, like be angry. And it's that crazy, like there's no answer, right? It's just him lamenting and going like, unless you're super ticked, like, you know? And I think there's, you know, it's, and I think you said this, Jeremy, too, of like, it's not how fast can we get through it, but like, how can I better prep my mind as I'm in it? I don't know if that kind of makes, like, correlates with that, but. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably the age-old question. Um, like I said, we all have, have struggled with some form of anxiety in our life, um, and I don't, I don't think I've ever asked myself in that moment, help me get through this faster. I think the more appropriate question would be, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this moment in my life? Um, and where am I trying to take control for myself? Because I want the outcome to be what I want it to be. And so I think of even just the, the life of Job, that uh, there's a passage of scripture in the book of Job that says, why do I take my life in jeopardy by taking it in my own hands? You know, we, we take our life in our hands, we do it the way we want to do it, we mess it up, and then we come back to God and say, God, can you fix it now? When it should be the flip side of, hey, I'm going to give you my life, give you everything in it, do what you want with it. Yeah. And I think it changes the perspective of how we handle anxiety in our life. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of ties us into that second question on anxiety of, you know, what is the best way to let go of it through our faith? You know, and I kind of brought up what you were saying, just like, it's not necessarily like letting go to forget, but almost... And this is something I do with, like, counseling and when we talk to people is, like, find your triggers. Yes. Right? Like, and I think that's the biggest thing. And Like, like I read from 1 Peter 5, 8, you know, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Like, you're never going to find peace, even in the midst of anxiety, if you don't know what's triggering your anxiety. So I don't know if you guys have worked, dealt with that or seen that kind of with the youth, like high school, middle school, like triggers is such a big thing. I think we often tend not to bring up. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it a little earlier too, is uh, I think what we're, what we're allowing in our mind, mm-hmm. you know, scripture says to take every thought captive and, and to submit it to Christ. And so it's interesting in our culture, we're told that when we're struggling with something, we want the answer through social media. Or we go yeah. to people that want that we want the answers that we want them to give us, instead of going to the answers that we need, and that's Christ, and that's His Word. And so I think, if I mean it's pr- it's a pretty simple equation. If you want to not struggle with anxiety, go to His Word, go to Him. It doesn't take away the situation. It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with it, but it helps navigate those hard those hard situations in your life that ultimately we don't have control over. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that that's the that's the best thing you can do, um, when you, when you're in a in an anxious point or that like you said before, man, there are different levels, and if it does require seeking help, 
then absolutely. If we're thinking of it at a, at a point of, okay, I'm just going to kind of go about my normal routine and, you know, just kind of, just, um, and I know I'm guilty of this too, like just scrolling through my phone. But the best thing that we can do is spend time in God's word yeah, um, and feed, feed our hearts that way. And isn't it interesting, I don't know about you, if you guys can attest to this, that the more time that I spend with the Lord, the less time I'm on social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like I found myself, I, I, I really only kind of go on Facebook and I'll post some scripture on there and go on the Facebook market, cheesy stuff. But I found myself more when I spend time in the Word. I, I don't have a desire to go because I know that those things are going to make me anxious. I feel like Facebook Marketplace makes me anxious. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably that's fair. <laughs> but I think you you hit it on the head with the social media, and we we were talking about this. But Matthew six verse twenty two: the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within your dark within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And is that reality of, like, we were talking about, like, what, what are you putting in front of you as soon as you wake up? What are you putting in front of you as, as you are in bed, like, getting ready to just fall asleep? Like, for me, I would rather wake up five minutes earlier and dread the five-minute earlier wake up to be in the Word and save potentially myself a full day of anxiety instead of sleeping in five minutes and then just being nervous the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think for everyone that as as you get older and your family situation changes, that kind of changes. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, when I was going in to school at college and stuff like that, first thing in the morning, that was my time I'm spending with the Lord. Um, then when I got a little older, like I had the freedom to kind of do that at different times, but being intentional about spending that time with God. Yeah. And now it's flipped back on to what it was originally that I know that I need to spend time with the Lord even before my kids get up. Cause once my kids get up and things are going, like there's no more time. And it was cool. Like just as a little side note, um, you know, I spend time with the Lord uh, like on the weekends, like Saturday morning and Landon will come downstairs and he sees me, you know, reading my Bible and he'd be like, dad, what are you doing? Mm. So it's setting the stage for what he's seeing happen in my life is now he's curious about it and he wants to discover it. As well. Yeah. Which I think is awesome for the young adult and like that gener- our generation now too, to see of like, the habits you're forming now, you, you need to form them now because it's going to look real awkward to your kids when you're trying to figure it out when they're already there. Or like your spouse. Like, oh, I want to do devotionals together. Okay, what do you want to do? I have no clue. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I just thought it would be great because I have to, you know, us guys need to be the spiritual leaders, but women need to be just as, as challenging too towards their husbands. Like, how, how are you leading? How are you going to feed me? And honestly, you can pick that up. And this is, dude, anytime dating, relationships, which we talk about here in the next couple questions, is like, that shouldn't be something that you're saying, like, I can fix it once I get into the relationship. Like, that's like trying to fix a broken guy or trying to fix a broken girl. Like, you don't date them to fix them. You date them because you see them just naturally building each other up, like, which is what we're supposed to be doing, rather than like, oh, like, I see the spiritual potential in them. Like, no, no. <laughs> like, Ruth didn't look at Boaz and go, like, I see spiritual potential. She saw the Kingsman Redeemer. Like, she saw the guy who was going to be the one leading and guiding her, whether it was relational or just simply, like, familial. Like, she saw that. She wasn't like, oh, you know, he has a really nice farm and crops. 
Okay. Maybe he's spiritual. Yeah, I, I think I think if I can give any encouragement in this as well is in a dating relationship, if it's hard, it's only going to get harder in marriage. Mm. And so look look for that opportunity in a dating relationship to build each other up. And I think of, you know, I don't know if we got into that question quite yet, but I think looking at what Scripture says, um, being equally yoked, that takes on so yeah. many different so many different levels. Well, and we so, can transition yeah. to that since we've kind of transitioned to it. The, the next question that we had lined up was, and this is why, you know, Jeremy and, and I were kind of already bringing it up, is, you know, what if you do if you're in a relationship with someone and they actually, this question got specific. It says they are Catholic and you are Baptist, a.k.a. Protestant. Um, and that's, again, like you were saying, equally yoked. But I think we have to clarify before, because especially with how niche this question is, Unfortunately, we've lumped Catholicism in with Christianity for, for the majority of people. There's no difference outside of tradition, right? And so you're not... Un- so for them, their argument would be, like, you, you're saying, you're, you're about to bring up 2 Corinthians 6.14, where it says, do not be, you know, unequally yoked. Um, but I think it has to dive deeper first. And correct me if I'm wrong, because, like, unless you're showing, like, no, 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 like, there is salvation and eternal difference between the two of you, not just like you're Pentecostal and like to raise your hands with a tambourine and I'm Baptist, so I keep them in my pocket. Like, so I don't know, you know, and you can keep going now on your point. But. Yeah, I think there's, there's so many different levels to, I guess, like, yeah. it's just like an onion. You peel back the layers. There's so many layers to that question. Um, you know, when it talks about being equally yoked, there's so many different perspectives that you can look at. I mean, equally yoked on how many kids do you want to have? Mm. How are you going to discipline? Yeah. Like yeah. there's, and a lot of those questions, you know, being completely transparent, me and my wife didn't really have those conversations till after the fact, but they would have been so much easier to have before. I bet. Yeah. And so having them like, you know, my wife's like, I want five kids and I want three. We settled on three. <laughs> so like I won. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she, we'll she edit that one out. She, she, she still wants more kids, but it's, like, how are you going to discipline? Are you yeah. going to be the primary disciplinary? Are we going? Are we going to do? How are we going to approach that? So there's, I think that that question. It's interesting that we shouldn't be asking ourselves: Is it okay for two people of opposite beliefs to date? I think the question is: What is the purpose of a relationship? Yeah, it's to come together to glorify God. And so, in in that in that relationship, I think a lot of times when we ask questions like that it's a way for us to kind of justify what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So. That is big. That's good. I, I think I might be dating myself, um, like saying this. No, term, you're but, married. But we call, yeah, yes, I'm, oh my <laughs> Sorry. <goodness>. I'm <laughs> you're silly. Um, but we, we called it missionary dating. Oh, uh. I know. I'm. I'm totally, the young adults are familiar with it. You're uh, good. Okay, I bash good, it all the time. Good. Um, <laughs> but, but man, like, I, th- I, th- I think I think that's difficult because I know, like, uh, and as a young adult too, like, we're we are we are making some really big decisions that are going to affect um, our married life, um, our future life, and so um, do you. The question is, do you want to be? Is is your is how important to you is is Jesus? Mm. Um, 
and how, how important do you use your relationship with him like before, before you step into this? Because um, I can tell you it's going to be really hard. Yeah. Um, you know, you may, you may think uh, that, yes, that, that there are similar whatever, whatever things in, in, in these faiths, but, but please, uh, please be careful um, uh, stepping into, into that realm. Because I, I know, like, I know, and I understand why why this question would be asked, um, and so I would I would just say I would just say be careful from a scriptural standpoint as well, um, just kind of kind of stepping into that realm, um, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And I don't know if you guys can answer this or not, but it kind of almost makes cause so you brought up second Corinthians six fourteen where it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or fellowship has light with darkness. And I think you hit, again, hit You both are hitting on the head. Like what is, what is your foundation for being in a relationship? Ultimately it's like the whole basis of human life, which is to bring glory to God. But first Corinthians seven is, and this is where I might, I might throw caution to the wind to say, don't quote me as, as law on this, but for someone asking this question, they're already in the relationship, right? So you're past the point of saying you can't missionary date, which we still would, I mean, probably. Um, but it, I think it also depends on the status of the relationship. Like, are you miserable? Like, is it one of those where you're miserable, and, but you're, it's comfortable? Like, it's one of those things? Like, um, but I think this says, you know, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she contests to live with him, he should not divorce or consents to live with him. He should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever partner separates, let it be so in such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. And it's this whole reality of like, and again, it's a completely different umbrella because now you're married, they're bringing in children. But it's this, it's this aspect of now you are saved, your spouse or, or your significant other is unsaved, or the reality is now shown that they're an unbeliever. By being, in that, by being faithful to the relationship, you might win them to Christ, which is, which is what that passage is going through. It's, but, if, but if they're unwilling to have that conversation, you have full justification for divorce because you can't be unequally yoked. So could we, for someone saying, like, say someone in this situation, like, could that be a possibility? Or is it simply easier to say, you need to back off, like, make it friendship? Because until they understand the gospel and they've met Christ themselves, the relationship's never going to be foundationally firm. And I think the context of what, what you're kind of talking about there, if it's in a marriage relationship, that that covenant has been made before God already, mm-hmm. and so if you're, if someone's in that situation, I would say pray and whatever you can do to mend that relationship, you need to do. Yeah. But what we can't do is look at that context and read it into a dating relationship yeah. and say, well, that co- there, there's no commitment there. You guys haven't made the commitment to be in a relationship before God. So don't hold standards in a marriage relationship to something that's not in a marriage relationship already. That's good. Because it's, it's going to be disastrous. And um, I had a pastor once say this to me, and it always stuck with me. Because I've counseled, I've counseled with, with couples about this specifically. Would you rather be married to someone and be miserable alone 
or single? Mm. Think about that for a second. Would you rather be married to someone and be miserable because you pushed it and moved it too fast and the timing wasn't right and now you're unequally yoked and it's causing, there's going to be this constant friction of I'm trying to pull you towards the light, you're trying to pull me towards darkness. Would you rather be in that situation or to remain single? I think we're so quick to be like, oh, I'm going to have meaning if I find that significant other. Yeah. If I could spend my life with someone, but at the same time we need to look at are you content in your singleness? If you're content in your singleness and you're building into your relationship with Christ, God's going to bring that person in your path at the right time. Yeah. So. And as we told the young adults when we talked about sex and relationships this past summer, there's a plug for one of our sermons. But Paul says it. I mean, for some of you, like for himself, he wishes everyone would be single because it gives such freedom to go do the Lord's work. But if you cannot abstain from relational aspects... It's better for you to be married. And again, that, you know, we, we wink, wink at that and go, ha-ha, you know, lust and, and sexual relation. But, like, also there's just some people who don't thrive as well single as they do in a relationship, like you were talking about. But I think the Lord blesses it for that reason because it is also what is the, Ephesians 5. Marriage is the mystery of, the, of Christ and the church revealed. You know, it's the picture of that where it's a micro picture of the ultimate reality of who God is, right, with his church. So I think I think you you hit it on the head. I mean, you can't force anything. So I don't know if you have any input, but I think we can all come in to say, unfortunately, as hard as it might be. I mean, you're an adult. Like you're probably it's probably best to have that difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I just I love the raspiness of it too. Like, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's jazz voice is kicking in. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> all and right. So yeah. And I would I would just add a little bit to that. I would say as many conversations in a dating relationship, I'm not saying like first date type stuff, but as, as the relationship progresses, the more conversations that you can have about how many children you want to have discipline, you know, how are we going to encourage each other in our relationship? Because I heard, I heard a pastor once say it this way, um, time plus responsibility equals a diminished relationship. Mm. And so when you add in those factors and the foundation hasn't been laid first, it's so much harder to do it after the fact. Not to say it's impossible, but I've seen, I've seen personally so often that people that are dating are acting like married couples already. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's not healthy either. You're still getting to learn that person. Um, and you're never done learning that person. I mean, I've been coming up on 11 years of marriage. I'm still learning my wife. Yeah. And, and it should constantly be learning what does she like, what, does she, what doesn't she like. Um, and to say that I've perfected on that is foolish because <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. But um, I don't know if you guys have seen that old movie, The Fire, Fireproof. Yeah. And it talks about that my relationship with my wife should be like getting a degree. Mm. Like, I shouldn't just, once I get to a place when I'm married, like, oh, well, I'm done learning now. And that's what many of us do, but I should constantly be learning and going to get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree about discovering what her likes or dislikes are. And it's a challenge sometimes. I'm sure anyone in marriage can say that's a challenge sometimes. But don't don't stop there. I I think we think in our culture is like when we're dating is like, we're preparing ourselves for marriage. And then once we get in marriage, we're like, all right, I'm married now. 
Yeah, we think we've, we've met it. <laughs> like, we've, like we've arrived or something. Yeah, man. I mean, just, just, to, just to cap, like, I, I know I have, like, minimal, minimal thoughts on, on this part. Um, I haven't shared a ton. But, but I, would, I would just encourage you to, as, as you love Jesus, as you're, as you're um, working to grow your relationship in Jesus, of course, he does the growth in us. Is this person causing you to love Jesus more? Mm. Um, and just to just to kind of just to kind of think of it that way too. And if I know I know like in in this particular instance, they uh, it's they may they may be in a different walk. But uh, as you search, as you think through, okay, Lord, who is that person? Is it going to be is it going to be somebody who who pulls you away from that or causes you causes you to love him more? Yeah, that's good. I know we're gonna. I'm gonna try and we're gonna try and hit some of these pretty quick because you got to get going here in a minute, Pastor Joe. It's all good. That's why we're gonna we're gonna hit a very light question. All right. This question is: If we get to heaven and we haven't done much for God's kingdom, how much would we be rewarded? The background to this question. This is the lightest question. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. The background to this question is Revelation 22:12, which reads. Um, by the way, this is English Standard Version. Normally you use CSB. Most of us use the ESV over here. But uh, So behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Um, and I know we were kind of spitballing this before, but I actually was, when I was, I was kind of meditating, because I was like, this question is probably going to be the, it really, but it almost boils down to something super simple. Because what we're, and it's kind of what we were kind of talking about before we, we started the podcast of like works and, and, and kind of like finding rest in God. But if you read the opening parts of like, it's, you know, this one, Revelation 22, verse 6, the, the little title is Jesus is coming. And it says, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servant what must take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Um, and that's verse 7. But verse 10, it says, um, And he said to me, Do not seal up these words of prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. So I, I get the question, but for me, the reference makes zero application to it now because it's bringing it straight forward and saying pretty much, I'm bringing the saved home to be with me forever and I'm, and I'm bringing condemnation to the wicked who are being wicked. Like that's the recompense that he's bringing. Yeah. But now to flip it for you two, okay, so then we get back to the question. If we get to heaven and we haven't done much for God's kingdom, how much would we be rewarded? I love this question. I think I think this is such a great question, and I I wanna I wanna kind of look at it look at it as a perspective of you know because I know in in our life um, we we enjoy accolades we enjoy rewards and being recognized, but I think when we do, I believe when we do get to heaven we're I don't know that we're going to be as focused on the rewards or the crowns yeah. that that scripture talks about 
more more concerned about man i'm in the presence of my lord and my savior yeah he's my reward um and uh and i know paul references it where um where he continues to strain toward toward the goal Mm. um of the upward call in christ jesus and and making that his focus i mean are arguably the greatest Christian leader this world has ever seen, but still, his reward was yeah. Christ. Um, so, so I think I think from that perspective, I I love that you asked this question and that that you have this heart and you and you want to see okay what what is that side going to look like? And I I can't I don't really know, but but I do think I do think the the aspect of we will be with our redeemer. Yeah. Our Lord and Savior is is the greatest the greatest thing that we have to look forward to. Yeah, I think I think leading up to that question though, you almost you almost have to ask another question and it's if the spirit is producing fruit in my life, is it me yeah. producing that fruit or is it the spirit producing that fruit? And so Anyone that's been a believer for any amount of time would say that the spirit is producing the fruit in our life. It's not anything that we do on ourselves. So when you kind of read that question, it's almost like it's being left up to us whether we do works. Right. Mm. And, it, and it's, it's really not because I know that there's no amount of works that any of us could do to earn our salvation because it's, it's a free gift. And so once, once, I have to earn that it takes away the validity of what Christ did on the cross. Yeah. And so I, I would, I think that's the, the best follow-up question to that is, do you see that the spirit is producing that fruit in your life or you're producing that fruit on your own? And I can, I can attest from experience cause I've, I've been in that place where I was trying to produce that fruit on my own. Can't do it. Yeah. Like you will, you will burn out. You'll, you'll be dissatisfied in your relationship with Christ because there's no, there's, you can't earn, you can't earn it. Yeah. And I know that the deeper re- seated issue in there is because whatever family situation we've grown up in, maybe we grew up with good parents. Maybe we didn't grow up with good parents. We almost try to earn our salvation based on like, if I do these things, God, God's going to love me more because as a result of me doing these things. Yeah. But when we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, we realized at that moment that there's nothing I could do to deserve it, and he loves me unconditionally. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's, it, it comes down to works or yeah. spirit. Well, and I think, and we're, I'm going to give an answer, and then I, wanna, I, want, I want Pastor Joe to answer one more before he leaves. But, and I think you both hit it, and I think this is where we're talking about triage, right? Especially with like your day, like a daily triage and helping with anxiety. But back to my theological triage of essentials, like this is definitely a secondary issue, True. right? Because there is blatant like parables of the of the uh, uh, of the servants with the with the rubies, right? Like God does call us to be good stewards, and He does reward us based off how we do work. And then it even says like you know in the millennium there will be. So depending on where you are with your eschatology. You know, this is an important topic, but at the end of the day, I can't, like, I I have to balance the tension of, I want to be a good steward, and even if I'm like the woman who broke the the perfume bottle to wash Jesus' feet, because that's all I had, even if I just have that one crown in heaven to throw at the throne of Christ, I'm not going to give a rip about the dude who has 10,000 crowns to throw. Like what you were saying, Joe, like my, like I'm going to A, be in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to be giving that. So eschatology wise, 
secondary issue. It's not a, you can make it a gospel issue. Like Jeremy was saying, like, are you making the works yourself or are you letting Jesus? And that's where I love that, you know, Pastor Jeff's been in John 15. But I love this part because this is what, you know, Pastor Jeff has been hitting on too. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he will give you. It's this reality of is like we're going to produce fruit no matter what, right? Like ultimately, if you're his, you are going to produce fruit. And so I think that's a great question to have there. Here is a question, Joe, I wanted you to answer before you had to walk off. Okay. Uh, Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Well, that's that's such a good question, man. The Lord, the Lord is is so good. I look back and you know five years ago, and I'm like, man, oh man, what, what, I had no clue what I was doing. You know, yeah. Just thinking through, just how the Lord's just He's just too good um, to me. So um, so personally, uh, I've, I've got a heart for. Um, for helping people in, in the worship realm too. Like I love students and I love how the Lord's um, shaped my heart for that. But uh, maybe in the next five years, helping out in that capacity. I don't know what that looks like, but yeah. um, in, in, in my time, you know, just asking the Lord, okay, what, what do you have? That's, I think that, that'd probably be it. Cool. Hopefully, hopefully a, a better father, better husband, <laughs> a better follower of yeah. Jesus in five years. But Amen. Um, yeah. Sweet, man. Well, thank you, Pastor Joe. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Refinery, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. <laughs> so, Jeremy. Yeah. Snapshot, oh, what man. do you think? So, it's a great question. I can't even think for the next five minutes of what I'm going to do. I know. But, but I think of, uh, you know, in, J- in the book of James, it says, um, you know, that if I say I'm going to go here and do this for a certain season yeah. and stuff like that. And so I think of that verse, um, you know, I'm, I'm 38 now. I'm not a young buck anymore. <laughs> but I'd say in the next five years, like, the Lord's going to – I've learned long ago to say that I'm not going to do something. Yeah. Because God's going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to use you in that. Um, so where I see myself in the next five years, wherever the Lord would have me serve. I, but I'm also the realization, like, you know, if the Lord wants to move me, he will. And I probably won't be in student ministry forever, just, yeah. just for the fact, because I, not that I don't have a heart for it, because that's where he's called me to. Um, but there will be at some point in my life that I kind of have to pass that buck along to someone else. And however long that is, I don't know. Yeah. But it's serving him faithfully, however long he has me doing this. And so whether that's five years, whether that's 10 years, whether that's 15 years, um, my heart is just to reach people with the gospel and to see their, their lives change as a result of that. And so whatever capacity he uses me to do that, um, uh, I'm willing to do that. And, and I have to be open to that. Cause I, for example, I remember, uh, the church we were at before here. Um, I had done, like I said, I've done youth ministry for 17 plus years yeah. and there were some things going on and church wasn't doing great. And a lot of the youth kind of had left um, as a result of that, but there was still an opportunity to build up the kids' ministry there, and I was so stuck in, like, oh, but I've always done youth ministry. It's what I know. I love doing this. Yeah. Um, that the Lord gave me the opportunity to build this kids' ministry literally from the ground up, and they consistently had about 30-plus 30, 30 kids coming, and I, I stay in contact with them, and it's still flourishing and growing to this day, so it's really cool to see that 
a lot of times, and, and Pastor Jeff alludes to this too, is a lot of times where the Lord wants to use you doesn't always look like you think it's going to look. Yeah, so. that's good. Yeah, I think biblically none of us can say where we'll be at five years. <laughs> right? It's Al- Alive, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, I think for myself too, I would say probably, I mean, like whatever capacity ministry it might be, um, teaching and preaching somewhere. You know what I mean? Like whether it's still here with, I mean, prayerfully, selfishly, hopefully here with the refinery, you know, doing our, like with the young adult ministry and seeing it grow and, and walking through that stage. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately in five years, hopefully I'll, you know, be a dad, not just over a cat, right? But like a better, like Joe said, a better husband, you know, better pastor, like all those things. So um, last but not least, and unfortunately Jeremy can't answer this question because he doesn't stop by the refinery. <laughs> but the last question we had was, uh, what's your favorite thing about the refinery? And don't be cheesy with your answer, like how close we are, LOL. Um, that was more of a statement than a question because there's no question mark there. But um, my cheesy answer is simply the fact that we constantly have a, a great group of kids out here, um, young adults, and, and all we do is preach the word and talk about it. I mean, that's my cheesy answer, but my, my personal, I guess, answer, which is the same still, but also I think like the downtime, like when we're not preaching or we're not doing the table studies and just having conversation and then like watching, watching a, a young adult have an epiphany, like that moment where they're like, this finally clicked. Like, that for me is so much fun because getting saved later at, like, 16, for me, like, I had a lot of those moments later on where some people, it's like, that's common knowledge. Like, but you grew up in a Christian school, K through 12. So for, yeah, you, it is common. For me, it's, oh, like, my dad left when I was six. I really had no father figure. I'm now realizing at 20-something that, like, God is truly my heavenly father. Like, for me, it was 18. Like, I had, a, I, I had that epiphany when I was 18 that, like, I could love God and let God love me like a dad because he's perfect where my dad wasn't. So I think those conversations, like outside of like the structured time, it's just, ner- or the nerding out, man, like getting deep into theology and doctrine, like just being able to talk about that stuff. So um, other than that, that is it. We've wrapped up our questions. Pastor Jeremy, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's it an honor just to be here and help you guys kind of navigate through some of these questions. Yeah, and so I, we encourage you guys, keep sending in the questions. Um, and we're excited to see how you guys interact and respond with what we're talking about, and hopefully it can lead to more uh, mailbag episodes. All right.